excellent idea. Regrettably, I only have until one thirty. Okay. I'm being dragged to watch Liverpool Man United at the bar. Ah. That's so. at one thirty. I thought these games were earlier. No, it's uh, it's at two o'clock. It's a night game over there since it's a Monday. Okay. I did not Guy know Sports is starting to try to do Monday night football, which means we get these weird midday Monday games. Kind of like uh, a college football game in Ireland that kicks off at 10.30 Central Time. Oh, shoot. We're doing the cold open. We're in the cold open. I yep. don't even know it. Oh, <laughs> professionals. Absolute yeah. professionals. <laughs> top class. Top of the line. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, luckily, we only have, like, one block today. And that is, hey, man, there's a football game in Ireland on this Saturday. Yeah. Weird. It's weird for a number of reasons. One, that the season is here already. Two, that uh, it's in Ireland. Uh, (laughs) we We are exporting our finest basement dwelling Big Ten team to the Emerald Isle to grow the sport so that Irish colleges play it. I don't even know what the goal is, but we're going to Ireland. I think the goal is – so this actually might be an interesting place to start. Like, why the hell is Nebraska football going to play Northwestern in Ireland? And – I think it's interesting. I've been kind of mulling this about. Like, it makes sense why the NFL holds games in London. They don't always – they're not always smart about it. But they've sent the Jaguars there and uh... (laughs) – Well, and I think that that's that's interesting and telling about the thought processes that both leagues have. Uh, And I'll get back to that in a second. But to be completely fair, like – it doesn't make as much sense in college football because I think there are two basic revenue streams that you're looking at. One, you're trying to get local fans to go to the game because it's an event, right? And two, you're trying to get your fans to spend a bunch of travel money and buy expensive tickets to go. Now, in college football, I really only think that the established fans are going to be a big deal. I could be wrong, right? Maybe I'll show up at the stadium this Saturday, Aviva Stadium in Dublin, and I'll say, holy crap, it's packed to the gills with Irish people. There's like four Lincolnites here. But I think what I'm more likely to find is that just a good chunk of the state of Nebraska has migrated to Dublin and yeah. a very, very small chunk of Evanston, Illinois. If even, I, I think it might be the Northwestern alumni expats who have, you know, those cushy top flight journalism jobs to make the trip over. But I, I don't know how much groundswell Northwestern Evanston support will make the trip over, but I could be, I could be wrong. But, but I know for a fact that it's, it's Nebraska, it's a Nebraska home game in Dublin because as you mentioned, you are part of the many Husker fans who jumped on the opportunity to go to Ireland to watch them play overseas against Northwestern. 
I would definitely not say we jumped on the opportunity um, because if you know anything about my family, you know that decisions take time. <laughs> uh, so, and I was not entirely sure I'd be going to Dublin until like a couple weeks ago. So, uh, we 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 fell on it like Nebraska. Um, falls on a muffed punt, which is to say we got there last. But um, we, I, I'm, I'm very excited to go. I am very excited to pod afterwards if Justin has availability because I think that this would be a fun, like, thing to break down and talk about from a sports fan's perspective on this podcast. And I want to say I am in no way going as Guy who has podcasts, I am in no way going as a reporter. I am just going as a fan. And I do think that that is sort of an undercovered aspect of this, weirdly enough, that, like, we're not going to get enough fan reaction. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it and kind of break down what college football looks like in Dublin. But I do think we have to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars of it all. Which we is do. the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a bad metaphor for this Husker team. Um, <laughs> well, I would say like expand on this further. So, has Jacksonville ever gone to a Super Bowl? No, they've been one game away twice, but they have never been to a Super Bowl. They hosted it once, but they did not go that year. But. I assume there is a small contingent of big Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Yes. It's probably the most localized fan base in the NFL, besides the people who jumped on in the 90s because they thought the colors were cool. But, uh, yeah, the NFL is actually really interesting if you read into why they chose Jacksonville, because they really thought that community was going to explode after the 90s, that it was growing rapidly. But that just didn't happen partially because it's like a military town and those, you know, typically don't fluctuate that much in population. But, yeah, they skipped over, like, some bigger metropolitan areas to take a swing on Jacksonville that they thought was growing, and that just never happened. So I believe Jacksonville is, shout out to Geography King, one of upper upper tier YouTubers who did a video on geography of sports team markets. I think Jacksonville is the largest, is the smallest, big four market in terms of metropolitan area reach. And it has NFL, which is undoubtedly the biggest brand of American sports in that market. Right. So that's what I find so interesting because Lincoln is a small to mid-sized power five market. Yes. It doesn't have really a big city attached. It has Omaha. Never in a million years am I going to call Omaha a big city. That is a collection of suburbs looking for a downtown and coming up lacking. The downtown's improved. Oh, it's it's better. The Gene Leahy Mall looks great, and that sucks because yeah. I like to slander Omaha. Um, to any Omaha listeners, Zio's Pizza sucks. There are, like, three good restaurants in your town, and you have the University of No Opportunity in Creighton. So feel bad about yourself, Omaha. Yeah. And plus, better salt calls over, so you don't have even that anymore. 
Yeah, no, no black and white depiction of how depressing it is to work at a Cinnabon in your town. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the reason we're going is because it's that old Husker standby of, like, well, they'll slide us into a bowl game at 5-7 and seven because we travel like nobody's business. And, like, very that's true. true. That's very true. And we haven't had a bowl game to go to in a few years. I don't know if we get sent if we're better. No, it's a week no. zero contest. Yeah, the, the only other team that's played in Ireland has been Notre Dame. Literally the Irish, whose brand could not be less centralized on South Bend, Indiana, where they actually play. Nebraska is here just because we have a fan base who will go wherever they go. We had a game against Kansas State in Japan in the 90s, and we packed that place. Granted, the Japanese locals, I think, had a better showing crowd-wise than uh, the Irish people will, even though I could be surprised. Maybe Ireland's just itching for some uh, Big Ten football. <laughs> some, some good old college football, gridiron. Yeah. I, but... I, I will say in like a – I believe Ireland soccer or football, as they call it, is probably the number one there. I don't think hurling and, I don't know, log rolling or whatever else they do. Gaelic football, I believe, Gaelic football. is yeah, the national something. sport. Yeah. They have something there. But yeah, like, it's, it's not a sport-averse nation. No. And the type of sport that they like, you know, the football, the Gaelic football, hurling, uh I think they'll be right at home with what Nebraska and Northwestern will bring to the table. A lot of punch, a lot of <laughs> three yards in the cloud of dust. We're, we're effectively playing rugby. We're effectively playing rugby. Slower, slower padded rugby. But, um, no, I'm excited. I do think, like, it, oh, I'm getting a spam call. Let me send that to voicemail. Um, I I feel reasonably confident that Husker fans will have a lot of fun in Dublin. There has been transition. Did you see the Irish Times piece that just murdered us? Yeah, I saw the Irish Times piece where if uh, you at home have not, it's basically what if – we fit every bad thing the Nebraska football program has ever done into one article. And we said, these are the people infiltrating our country. And it's so countries do that too. Mo Washington, Scott Frost hiding in a closet from Lawrence Phillips. We got Scott Frost being unaffected. We got Scott Frost being not that smart. We hit, Hey, remember that one time that our good, wholesome Christian coach went to the city council and said LGBTQ plus people shouldn't have rights? Just down the line, we got murderized. And it was it was brutal. That was not the worst media PR that happened that week because Scott Frost in the <laughs> in the press conference that's supposed to be a Kool Aid fest. We have. This is the second-class press conference before the Ireland game. And it's a radio show. They're just lobbing him softballs, and they ask him about the O-line. And, and he 
wants to talk up the O-line. So do you, A, talk about their blocking technique, B, talk about their aggressive physicality and how they're going to outmuscle their opponents, or C, talk about the insane amount of projectile vomiting these men are doing. If you answered C, you might be the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, I am still kind of in shock. I think, to, to be fair, from the reaction that I saw, not from, like, rabid Husker fans, but from, like, people in the football world, it is not that weird to have people puke at football practice. I think we all knew this, right? Like, I think we were all, any football fan who, like, kind of covers the sport understands, or, like, honestly, anyone who's eaten a big meal to get ready for a workout and then overexerted themselves understands this at the very least a very real possibility, right? Yeah. But, like, so, to the to the people online screaming about player safety, this is not enough to make me worry about that, right? If we had, like, a Maryland-esque situation where people are passing out on the field because they're getting worked so hard, then, then we have a problem. But I don't... And I do you agree? Is this not a player safety issue? Uh, I'd say it's not ideal. Just the amount of yeah. numbers he said, which he exaggerated. Like I, I'm not fearful of their safety. I think if they were actually in like serious danger, it would not be the uh, topic of. He wouldn't have discussed it in the tone he did, unless he's just more naive than I ever could have imagined which I'm not ruling out, but <laughs> I, I, I just think Frost doesn't really know how to talk him up. And it's also kind of concerning in a way because either this means that, like, A, your guys were so out of shape that they're puking out of workout, or B, you're working them until they puke, which after that point, they're probably not that effective. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe puke means practice is over. But given that my number one concern of the offense is the offensive line, uh, that did absolutely nothing to ease that concern. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, and I would be surprised if what's what's tough is so to to kind of close the loop on the vomit. Uh, <laughs> He's just not a talker. He's just not a talker. He's not a play caller. He's not, not much anymore. of a rec- recruiter. What is he? Right? It's one of those moments where we just all kind of collectively go, why him, though? Right? Like, is this what we got and we're excited and happy about that? Like, and if I'm a week out of a season where it is, like, in the contract that he's fighting for his job. Ooh, boy, that's a bad look. Yeah. Thankfully for him, kickoff is right around the corner, and he can make everyone forget about vomit if he wins. Like, if <laughs> like if he loses, this is, you know, the worst mark yet. And given that a... Uh, decent axiom for the Scott Frost era has been what is the funniest thing that could happen and the answer normally happens. 
I'm kind of expecting a loss just because I think it'd be really funny. Because, like, I, 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 I don't know. know. It was dreadful last, last year. So was Illinois, who we lost to in week zero. That's I know true. We've made, we've made a lot of changes. We've made a lot of changes. We're trying to fix the plane in the air while it's crashing. But we have some parts that look like they might do it, but frost is the glue. And until... Oh, God, uh, that's so scary. <laughs> yeah. That does not ease my concern as a passenger on this plane, is uh, <laughs> that we're gluing these together with whatever Scott Frost can do. Because, well, okay, he's not calling the plays anymore. That's good. We figured out that whatever Adrian was going to do was not working here. That's good. But until I see Scott Frost win a game we all know he should consistently, I will not believe he can do it. Because throughout his first four years, there have been multiple games each year that you look at the team, you look at the momentum going into it, and you think Nebraska should win this, and they don't. And Northwestern's just another one of these. They rarely have two bad seasons in a row. Lord knows voodoo magic has been apparent in spades throughout the series, with last year's 56-7 being the exception, not the norm. If we're looking at purely football-only terms, yes, this should be a repeat of last year. We... I think got better in some areas, slightly worse slash unproven in others. And Northwestern's pretty much the same of a three and nine team that was thoroughly outmatched with Nebraska last year. But I trust Northwestern to be well coached. Yeah. I, I don't have that same trust in Scott, especially not overseas where we saw week zero was the worst this team looked last season. And for a three and nine team, that's saying something. So will yeah. he make the same mistake twice? He's shown that he's made the same mistake multiple times, multiple times. I'd love to say that this is an easy win, but it'd be so funny if they lost. So I can see a loss a lot easier than I can see a win. Oh, fight with Western sucking. The really concerning thing is Justin is normally more optimistic than I. Yeah. That, like, that was kind of my plan, though, for, for our preview pod. Is I, I'll, I'll give you the optimistic side. I'll give you the pessimistic side. Because truth be told, I don't know. My heart well, is pessimistic because after four years of looking at it the optimistic way, that has not worked out yet. But that doesn't mean I don't see the light. That doesn't mean that I don't think that there is something there because last year I know we went three and nine, but damn it, I saw something in every one of those losses. There was right. a moment, a quarter where we looked like the team that we were supposed to be in year four under Scott Frost, which is not just a good team, but a great team. If those moments can last the entire game, then, you know, we've got an outstanding coach and outstanding program, but they don't. But well, I, I did not what see I those think, moments until that year. So I think there might be something here, and I think the changes might get that something to tip. Uh, it feels so... I'm aware that I desperately want us to win this game because 
Like, it's not like enjoying the trip hinges on it, but listening to a chorus of Husker fans boo Scott Frost in Dublin would be so embarrassing for this fan base and feels like a very real possibility. Yeah. Oh, God. It would be so embarrassing. Like, you've seen Lincoln after a loss. It would be so embarrassing to do that on the international stage. And I'm truly, like, I have gone from freshman year so excited to have Scott Frost. Last year, I hate him. Like, I actively feel anger towards his bad decisions by the end of last year. And then getting around to this point, I just feel bad for the guy. And I really hope he can put something together. It's it's hard to see. Something I've been trying to talk to people about is like, okay, we are focusing really, really hard on Scott this year, right? But what does it look like to have Scott at Nebraska long term? You need to make a bowl game this year. You probably need to do it again two or three years in a row. I, I'd go even further. I'd say you need to make a bowl game this year. And if you're at 7-5 and five and make a bowl game, it's good. But if you make a bowl game at 6-6 six and six and you lose that bowl game, he's out of here. Whoa. So you think we can go 6-6, six and six, lose the bowl game, and he still gets shit canned? Yes. Because we have six games that should be layups. Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Rutgers, Indiana, Illinois. Any team worth their salt in the Big Ten should win those six games. And that just means one game where it's either 50-50 within reach or you're just straight up not supposed to win. Do you think he should get canned or he will get canned if we go 6-6 six and six and lose the bowl game? Both, because those six games should be the baseline of what you're capable of doing as a Nebraska head football coach. These are not. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, these teams in their current state are not teams Nebraska should sweat. So that just means one game to prove once and for all that you're not in the basement, that you're not in the gutter. Just one game where you can be a respectable Big Ten team to show that you yourself are one. If you can't do that, there is no hope for you. Especially if you don't do that, then lose a 6-6 six and six bowl game, the Quick Lane Bowl, that's probably an upper-tier match team you're playing. Or, you know, the ACC's seventh-best team. If you can't beat that either, there is no hope for you. There's no hope of this program getting anywhere it needs to be if you can't do that. Okay. Oh, man. Well, this has been 30 minutes of Justin scaring the hell out of me. Do Uh, do you want the positive view before you have to cut this one short? (laughs) Yeah, give me me the quick quick and dirty. All right. So here's here's a quick overview of the best case scenario for this Nebraska team. Quarterback, Casey Thompson. 
he was pretty darn good at Texas last year. Led the Big 12 in touchdown passes. I wrote an award-winning article about how he could work in this offense. And his thumb injury that made him not as good that second half of the season is, according to him, fixed. So this could be the best pure passer Nebraska has had in over a decade. That's something to get excited about. Why do he also re- speaks pretty eloquently about reading defenses. Yes. Yes, he does. He could be the boy wonder Nebraska has been waiting for for years. Running backs should all be uh, helpful. <laughs> because well, we even I, talked about Adrian being a Heisman candidate. Yes. If Nebraska starts 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, I can see him getting some Heisman love. Because I don't think that's out of the question either, because we get Oklahoma at home in a rebuilding year. So, if there was ever a year to be Oklahoma this year. No, yeah, absolutely. I feel if we win our first three, and if if we win our first three, I think we have a shot. If we breeze our first three, I think we're the favorites. Yeah. We'll have to see how Oklahoma's playing at that point, but I feel good about that game. Yeah. Like I said, if there was ever a chance to beat Oklahoma, you get them early in a rebuild, at home, post-transfers, new system. I'm, I'm, it's very, very possible. And further rounding out the optimist view of the offense, the running back room has four backs who I feel somewhat comfortable with, plus the top junior college back in the country is now a Nebraska Husker in Anthony Grant. Wide receivers, are, they're led by two transfers who are very athletically gifted, were very high-ranked recruits, and who the coaches have loved to talk up. Maybe their previous fits at LSU and Texas just weren't right, and they break out here. Plus, Oliver Martin and Omar Manning have been one breakout year away their entire Husker careers. Maybe this is the year. Who knows? Plus, Travis Vokalek might fill the Austin Allen role pretty well, given that he is the team captain of the offense. The offensive line, I mentioned this is the biggest concern, but it's mostly guys who played last year. Well, last year's line was bad. It wasn't disastrous. And plus, two transfers with D1 experience, you know, they can plug some holes. Defense, I see a pretty solid reload up front. That was our biggest transfer haul yet. We got a transfer from Bama. We got a transfer who started at Texas Tech. And, you know, a bunch of guys who had rotational experience for the Huskers throughout the year. That could go pretty well. Linebackers, Reimer and Henrik, had both near 100 tackles last year. They're back. Even though we lose JoJo Doman, we lost him for the last two games of Wisconsin and Iowa. And Isaac Gifford and Blaze Gunnarsson filled that role well enough to the point you didn't even notice he was gone too much. Secondary, we lose the most, but we also gain, I think, the second most uh, transfers of anything. We have a Tommy Hill, who was a projected starter at Arizona State before he came here, so he can fill one of those spots pretty well, plus Marcus Buford, who was next up his entire Husker career, according to all the upperclassmen. He gets the chance to prove it now, plus a couple JUCO and FCS guys who, you know, did pretty good at those levels, plus Brandon Moore, a UCF transfer, who made a play I remember for that team in that season. He picked six Joe Burrow. That's pretty cool. Special teams, we cannot get much worse. I, We might not be great, but we will not be worse than last year. We have the FCS punter of the year coming in, and while he wasn't that good in the spring game, 
he at least has the ball go forward every time and will not punt it to the wrong guy. I feel decently confident saying that. We also have a new kicker who made more field goals than he missed last year at SCS School Furman. If he can just go above 500, we have already improved special teams and likely won a game that we wouldn't have last year. So that's the optimist view of the entire roster. Plus, Scott doesn't call the plays anymore. So, you know. This is, I think, our biggest pickup. I really like, I honestly think, and I think we talked about this on our last pod, if you feel the need to take a shot at your offensive coordinator not being that important when he leaves, he was probably pretty damn important. And you're probably pretty scared. And I feel so much better knowing Scott's not making play calls. God, I feel so much better. Yeah, offensive uh, coordinator. All the players love him. He's got gobs and gobs of play calling experience. He won the ACC last year. I, I mean, I, I, I trust him far more than Scott Frost, who has proven to not be all that in the bag of chips with the play calling in his hand. If Frost just wants to step back and look at the defense, as he said he's going to do, I think that's a better plan. I mean, we all know we have that moment. I think it's like October October 1st when we have the conversation like after Scott's first four games like did you sufficiently are you are you keeping your job? Yes. And I, I think it's the Indiana game, the week of that game where the buyout kicks in, the buyout reduction kicks in. So, and I think Mark Whipple, is that his name? Correct? Yes. He's got to be the presumptive interim. Oh yeah, he's had he's head coached teams before. Yeah, I also think it's not unrealistic that Scott is functioning as a figurehead at this point. Oh yeah, because the whole entire offensive staff got overhauled. Like Mark Whipple, who's already mentioned, loads of experience, has been a head coach before, will call the plays, essentially. While Frost is working with him, he's, I think, in the pilot seat when it comes to, you know, coming up with ideas for this offense. And new wide receivers coach Mickey Joseph, who coached all pro wide receivers at LSU, won a national championship coaching there. I I trust him a lot more than having, you know, previous years where the wide receivers coach has also been the offensive coordinator. Like, having a dedicated coach at that position – that we know has talent in it, like Omar Manning and Oliver Martin have not seen the field much, but they have shown talent when they have seen the field. This is a unit that is talent, and I think we have a guy who has a record of getting talent out of talented people. Fair enough. All right, I have to run to a soccer game. Obligatory when we talk about staff changes. Rest in peace, Mario Verduzco. Oh, man. No one will ever be as drippy. Everyone will be more effective. No one will ever be more drippy than the QB hippie. Yo! Okay, yep. Anyway, Justin the Naked Times' first t-shirt will be out in two weeks. I, I love that. He's selling Coach Verduzco shirts after he's left the program. <laughs> that is the, we're the only podcast that's going to fill that niche in the state. Yep. Yes, I 
like I said, this team is was so close to success last year, but also went three and nine. The math says that we should have been great last year, but sports aren't math. Does the math correct itself this year? Are sports, in fact, math? We'll see, because I don't know. I I am going to say sports are not math, uh, especially when those sports are going across. Maybe it's just a more complicated model, but I don't know how 538 factors in, like, 20 hours of flights and jet lag and confusion yeah. and and what is the Scott Frost variable? I don't know. And all of those scare me. Yeah. You got a score prediction? Um, okay. Uh, like you said, all those variables scare me. Uh, the funniest answer, the one that I have done, you know, expect the worst hope for the best is uh, 2820 Northwestern with at least two non-offensive touchdowns for the Wildcats. So I'll stick to mm-hmm. it. I don't, I don't want to make the mistake of last year and predict a comfortable Nebraska winning week zero against an obviously outmatched opponent because we saw how that turned out where uh, Jason Hahn of the Daily Nebraska was the only person in the state who picked Illinois. And does uh, Jason Hahn know that we don't? Fond a catchphrase for the ages. So I'm calling my shot right now. I'm I'm taking Jason's crown and saying uh, <laughs> Northwestern will win this game thanks to two <laughs> non-offensive touchdowns. If you're wrong, I will have Jason on this pod next week to absolutely just demoralize you with I, – I, I will let him make fun of you for, like, 20 minutes straight. I, I will accept it. I This is, you know, a, a very bold stance I am taking of a thing Nebraska will lose to Northwestern. But, again, I, I need to see Frost win a game that we all know he should – consistently to believe that he can do that every time. Because right now, the data has shown that Frost, with a game he should win consistently, loses that game. Rather than my own brain, which, if, like, if I think logically of what do I know about the sport of football and these teams' rosters and momentums, I say Nebraska wins. But I have seen Nebraska football not do that so much over the last four years that I'm calling a Northwestern win. I'm going to say – I really do have to go. But I'm going to say it's Nebraska-Northwestern. It's always close and it's always weird unless last year, and it was almost weird last year because it was a route. I'm going to say week zero, offenses don't have their crap figured out fairly low-scoring game. I tend to, like, think defenses come together a little quicker than offenses. 17-14 to 14 Nebraska victory. All right. But, but it is close. I want okay. to be wrong. I want to see another murder. Oh, a, mur- a murder would be perfect. Like, you talk about, you know, Illinois setting just a dark spot on the whole season. Imagine if that was a murder. And within very – with almost all the easy games, quote-unquote, in the first half of the season, I don't know. 
that could mean something. Yep. All right. Well, lovely to talk to you, and uh, we'll chat when we know more. Yes. All right. See you later. Yep.